Hi, I'm Johanna Ferreira, content director of Pop Sugar Juntos. Juntos is all about celebrating Latin A culture, pride, our many intersectional identities, and joy. Thanks to support from Prime, there's so much to get into over at Juntos this month. From conversations with the Latin A minds behind our favorite new movies and resurrected TV shows, to thoughtful celebrity commentary, and exclusive interviews with some of the biggest Latin music artists today. And it doesn't stop there. Get more of the music, movies, and shopping you love on Prime. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more of whatever you're into from streaming to shopping. And get all of our latest coverage at PopSugar.com slash Juntos. Con amor, Johanna. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's Insight Assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hi, it's Phoebe. And before we start, I wanted to let you know that this episode of This Is Love is a special one, because it's our 50th. We started this show almost five years ago, and since then we've shared stories about all kinds of love, from a boy who loves to spell, to a painter who became obsessed with a particular shade of blue, to a man who forgot his wife and had to get to know her and fall in love all over again. And we have some exciting news— Starting this fall, we're going to be bringing you This Is Love more often. Look for new episodes of the show twice a month. If you'd like to celebrate along with us, we'd love for you to help us spread the word about the show. Maybe you'd send a favorite episode of This Is Love to someone you care about. It means a lot. Thanks for listening. Here's the show. When was the first time that you became aware of Orlando Bloom? Um, gosh, it would be... Around 2001, 2002, I had obviously noticed him in Lord of the Rings, the first one, The Fellowship, when that movie came out. In The Lord of the Rings, Orlando Bloom plays an elf with long blonde hair. He's good with arrows. His name is Legolas. But I started out as more of an Aragorn girl. Viggo Mortensen, to me, was like the obvious attractive one in the first movie. And I remember it was two towers, and it was the moment when Legolas slides down um, a shield at Helm's Deep, where I was like, oh, who is this? And I want to know more about who this person is. Kendra James grew up in New Jersey. She played softball, took ice skating lessons, and three-hour-long Dungeons & Dragons classes. She was 15 years old when the movie Pirates of the Caribbean came out. Orlando Bloom plays Will Turner, the son of a famous pirate. This time, scruffier, with dark hair that always seemed to be wet or in the wind. Kendra and her friends began to keep records. We had these composition notebooks, black and white, kind of a marbled cover. And inside, (laughs) we would either print or cut pictures out from magazines of 
the crushes that we had, and then we would glue stick them in and then usually, quote unquote, laminate them with just uh, packaging tape over the pages. But in the front, it was just sort of this index of, of men that we liked. And we would also do this thing where we would like claim these men. So like, Multiple people couldn't have the same guy in both their notebooks. Um, But for Orlando, I got really lucky because I claimed him first. Then once I claimed him, my other friends were like, well, he's not that cute in it anyway. And like looking back, I think it was just them trying to make themselves feel better. Kendra created a sort of shrine to Orlando Bloom in her bedroom, a large poster of him as Legolas, surrounded by a full wall of photos. And they were um, all printed off my parents' computer in the basement. Uh, And I would spend, like, an entire afternoon printing those out, cutting them out, and then putting them on the wall. Photos of Orlando Bloom on the cover of Teen People, on the cover of TV Guide. Orlando Bloom lounging on a couch. And Orlando Bloom holding a dog. I'm Phoebe Judge, and this is Love. I was a big nerd. Uh, <laughs> I, I So I, I grew up in a suburb of New York, Maplewood, New Jersey. And gosh, I had been going to school with the same people since preschool, essentially. It's a small town. And so I had a really close group of friends and we were all nerds. Some of us were like more into anime than others. Uh, some of us, like I personally, like I was going through my vampire phase at that point. So I was very into Anne Rice, uh, Anita Blake, Vampire Hunter, the original Suki Stackhouse series. Um, I was also very into, and still am, like, very into Star Trek. I never really wanted to watch anything where people were just dealing with normal problems. If it was going to be a teen drama, it had to have some sort of uh, supernatural sheen put over it. (laughs) In 2003, she left home for boarding school transferring to the Taft School in Connecticut as a sophomore. So I was the first Black American legacy to graduate from my New England boarding school. My dad went there in the 70s. Kendra's friends at boarding school were not as enthusiastic about Orlando Bloom as her friends back home. And she says she didn't really get along with her roommate. She left after a while. So then I, like, immediately just started fully decorating uh, the room. She recreated her shrine from home using pictures of Orlando Bloom and actors from Buffy the Vampire Slayer and X-Men. So I had a full wall of just, like, men that I found hot. After school, Kendra and her friends would spend their free afternoons at a nearby mall. They'd take the bus from campus to the next town over. And then uh, one day we were at the Waterbury Mall at the FYE. I don't know if those are still a thing anymore, but it was like an old... Record, uh, record DVD store. And so we happened to see that there was a life-size cardboard cutout of Legolas. So we brought that back to Taft on the city bus um, and put that in my dorm room as well. And sometimes with that, it was fun because it would confuse adults on campus who thought that there was like a grown adult man in my room. She also says she spent hours searching the early 2000s internet for videos of him she'd never seen before, like from TV interviews from other countries, just to watch him. 
I would download, like, clips of British talk shows that he was on, which was really complicated in 2003 through 2006, especially given the fact that um, when you're at boarding school, the internet went off every night at 10 because they wanted us to go to sleep. So downloading, like, a clip already took forever because it was 2004 internet. But then if it got cut off, your LimeWire would, like, stop working at 10 p.m. And then if you got lucky in the morning, it would pick up where it left off. But more often than not, it would just restart. She says she spent a lot of time searching eBay for DVDs of Orlando Bloom and British TV shows and movies that weren't available in America. One was called The Calcium Kid. And in order to watch them, she had to buy a special kind of DVD player. Which in 2004 was just an obscene amount of money. And I had to skip ice skating lessons for like two weeks to afford it. Um, And not that my parents knew. But yeah, that's how I was getting a lot of my material. Because he had only been really in like three big movies in America. So yeah, I I had to get creative. (laughs) In 2004... A new movie came out, Troy, starring Orlando Bloom and Brad Pitt. Orlando Bloom has long curly hair, rides a horse, and wears a metal vest. I loved Troy. She bookended her days with Orlando Bloom. Every morning, she would check her instant messages and emails, fan sites and message boards, then school, then softball or skating lessons, and then she'd log back on. She'd make the most of the time she had before the boarding school internet was shut off at 10 p.m. One of her favorite things to do online was to read stories about her favorite books and movies written by other fans like her. So fan fiction uh, is just the act of taking something from a book, movie, TV show that you like, taking those characters and writing your own stories about them. The practice of writing stories about your favorite fictional characters has existed for a long time. When Sir Arthur Conan Doyle killed off Sherlock Holmes in 1893, his fans were so outraged that one magazine invited its readers to send in their own Sherlock Holmes stories. And people did, imagining him moving to America and falling in love, imagining him as a ghost detective, helping other ghosts solve mysteries. Fan fiction became very popular in the 1960s, with fans of Star Trek writing their own stories for each other, a way to engage with the characters as much as you wanted. When it's celebrities that you're doing it about, or just real people in general, then you call it RPF, which is real person fiction. So for me, that meant I started out reading that stuff. And what it was to me was... I was already reading, like, paperback romance novels at the time. I loved, like, Jude Devereaux and (laughs) Katherine Anderson. I was apparently 50 years old in 2002. Um, So I was reading, like, all of that stuff. Like, I read my mom's Georgette Heyer books. And so RPF about Orlando Bloom, it was all... There were no sort of straight dramas or anything. It was all romance. Um, (laughs) I liked reading this stuff because it just reminded me of the romance novels that I was reading. And then I started writing it. Um, I started writing the one, the main story that I, I worked on, really just for my friends at school. Like, I was writing this <laughs> this story, which was a thinly veiled version of myself who 
ended up having a kid with Orlando Bloom, but like didn't tell him the kid was definitely also a thinly veiled version of myself. <laughs> um, it was basically like a, a parent trap situation where the kid like got them back together. Were there romantic scenes in these stories? Were you writing kind of romantic love scenes? I was, and they were really bad because I learned <laughs> I learned how to write smut, for lack of a better word, from like Anita Blake from the Anita Blake series, which is um a, a vampire hunter series by Laurel K. Hamilton. And I was devouring those books in like sixth and seventh grade. I was far too young to be reading them, but my mom had stopped policing my reading a long, long time prior to that because she realized there was no hope. And the sex scenes in those books, like, really is just smut. There's a lot of, like, the throbbing members and a lot of pounding. And so that's what translated uh, into the fic that I was writing. Um, along with, like, I had some better examples from, like, Regency romance novels. It was a little, like, more gentle or whatever. But, uh, yeah, they weren't good, is what I'm trying to say. (laughs) We asked Kendra if we could read some of the fiction she wrote. Here's an excerpt. My vision blurred. My heart stopped. My limbs stopped functioning at the same time. Seven words, and I almost fainted. I felt my cheeks burning as I looked up at Orlando Bloom. I grabbed a Coke and started sipping, trying to calm down. One day, she found a website she'd never seen before. It was a message board called Orlando Bloom Fans. It described itself as, quote, the first place on the net for Orlando Bloom fans of all ages. After reading other people's work for a little while, Kendra felt ready to show her writing to other people. She'd found the perfect audience. And then... It just became like a game of, oh, I'm getting positive reinforcement. I'm posting more. Really, I I loved the positive reinforcement. That's what it was. I loved the reviews. I loved the comments. And so I kept writing and people were enjoying it. So I was having a good time doing it. Did you have a username? Yes. Um, it's not, I'm not going to say what it was. Okay, you don't have to tell us, but what is it? Is it embarrassing? Like, is it, I love Orlando forever? No, I will say I did have an AIM screen name. That was um, Orly Bloomed Me 583. I don't know where it came from, but that was like something that I used. Is that explicit? I think I thought it was when I was 13. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be right back. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. 
And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Fox Creative. This is advertiser content from 26.2 Team Milk and their new docu-series, Running Sucks. Is running the worst? Yeah. Do you love it? Do you hate it? I hate it so much. (laughs) I hate it so freaking much. That you're a real runner now! I hate it. (laughs) I'm Abby Ayers, a 37-year-old mom from Utah who found herself running across the Manhattan Bridge in my first race ever. Running Sucks celebrates women who run and the running communities that carry them across the finish line. Running helped me in so many ways postpartum. It really is about taking my power back and proving myself wrong. For every person like you, I'm telling you you belong and I'm telling you you can do it. I never thought the words would leave my mouth, but yes, I'm planning on running a marathon. (laughs) I can't even say it without laughing because like who would have thought? Watch Running Sucks at runningsuckstheseries.com and learn more about how Team Milk is helping women runners across the country conquer their next course. Did anyone at school make fun of you for being such a big fangirl? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely. I mean, not in a malicious way, I will say, like, but I definitely, like, they made fun of me. Um, and it was, like, very much in... There's sort of, like, we... I don't know how to describe this. Um, It was very much in that sort of you're sitting at the table in the dining hall way and just everyone's like trading insults back and forth. It's like, it's commonly known as the dozens in Black communities where you're just sort of like trading barbs. But it's like more about growing the relationship between two people. It's not actually about like hurting you. It's just about making everyone else at the table laugh, and then that laughter sort of brings you more into the fold of the group. So, yeah, they definitely made fun of me um, and absolutely, like, ribbed me for the number of, like, white guys that I had hanging on my on my bedroom wall, but it was not in a malicious, in a malicious way. <laughs> Kendra says there were times when she wondered if her interest in Orlando Bloom was crossing a line. She remembers feeling that way when she saw an interview with him on a talk show, The Graham Norton Show in 2003. And Graham Norton started reading from an Orlando Blue message board and making fun of it, impersonating women arguing about what Orlando Bloom's favorite vegetable was. Looking down at superfans, especially teenage girls, isn't new. In 1964, Paul Johnson, an editor at The New Statesman, wrote a very controversial piece about Beatles fans. It reads, If the Beatles and their like were in fact what the youth of Britain wanted, one might well despair. I refuse to believe it. And so will any other intelligent person who casts his or her mind back far enough. What were we doing at 16? I remember reading the whole of Shakespeare and Marlowe, writing poems and plays and stories. Those who flock round the Beatles who scream themselves into hysteria are the least fortunate of their generation. 
the dull, the idle, the failures. The magazine has since called it the most complained about piece in its history. Kendra says the Orlando Bloom fans' message board was a judgment-free zone. She could post her fan fiction without worrying that it was too weird for the other users. And so it felt like a community. But she says she knew better than to post anything identifying or personal. She liked the anonymity she had within the group. And she says she also liked having a place to express this huge crush from a distance. So the way my mom always put it was, so I had a huge crush on, again, fictional character, Sirius Black from Harry Potter. Sirius Black is Harry Potter's godfather. Gary Oldman played him in the movies. And the way my mom always put it with all of these crushes that I had on older men, but specifically with Sirius Black, was she would say, listen, this is fine because in the end, I know that you are riding behind Sirius Black on his motorcycle in your fantasies, not actually riding behind some actual older dude's motorcycle in real life that I have to worry about. And like for me, that's that's kind of the beauty of, of the crush and that's the beauty of writing fan fiction and really being involved in these communities. I found it, especially with the writing aspect that I was doing and My smut was bad. My NC-17 stuff was really bad, but it was like a safe space to explore those feelings. And so, yeah, I don't know. I found it like a really, looking back, like I consider myself really lucky that I was involved in these, in these places um, because it was just a really good way to explore sexuality and start figuring out like what turns you on and what doesn't. And it it was just really helpful. (laughs) Kendra was spending a lot of time talking to people on the Orlando Bloom fans' message board. And then, one day, someone suggested they try to make contact with Orlando Bloom himself. They outlined their plan in a post titled, Care Package. They were going to send him this care package, like, filled with stuff that he had either referenced or filled with stuff uh, from places that he had filmed. So this was going to be a package of things that the group thought that Orlando Bloom would be, like, charmed by or, like, tickled by. Exactly. (laughs) And that you would get this package of stuff to him, and it would be this gesture. Yes. So it was stuff like, um, like I said, places that he had filmed, uh, and they had also included, like, a hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy. And then, like, he had mentioned in a few interviews that he saw himself as sort of a Luddite. He wasn't good with the internet. So they included uh, one of those for dummies books. It was the internet for dummies. People had a lot of ideas about what he might like. They sent a copy of Stranger in a Strange Land by Robert Heinlein. Someone else wanted to send him the collected works of Flannery O'Connor. One person was working on a quartz necklace. Later, she discovered that her mother had accidentally thrown it away when she was cleaning her room. Another person volunteered to find interesting socks. They included the Superman shirt at the time. I think it was it had been rumored that maybe he was being considered for Superman. Um, and then, like, the most ironic thing that was in the package was uh, this, <laughs> someone had gone to, I guess, the equivalent of a Michael's at the time and gotten a little plastic spray bottle and filled it with, like, water, glycerin, and glitter, I think, labeled it um, insane fan repellent, which is the most ironic part of this because 
basically a group of fans was sending you a package unsolicited, like we were the ones who you should have been using the spray on. The community would buy their items and then mail them to one person, a woman named Lori, who said she would then pack everything into one box to send to Orlando Bloom by way of his manager. As items came in, Lori posted updates. I I remember those posts like, okay, you guys have like two weeks. Okay, we have a week. And then we got the notification when it had been sent out. She posted an update. They also raised money to pay for the shipping. Kendra chipped in $12. A few months later, Lori reported that the package had been received. Somehow, Lori said she'd gotten Orlando Bloom's mother's phone number. Kendra doesn't know how. So she was able to alert his mother. I don't know if this was like a solicited alert or if she just cold called this poor woman (laughs) uh, to let her know that a package had been sent to some, you know, UK, like some London-based rep's office. But so that was how she was able to like make sure that the package got to him. This is kind of where a little bit of when the drama uh, started, which is a, it feels like a wild thing to say. We'll be right back. Eurovision is here. This year's contest gets underway this week in Malmö, Sweden, but this year's contest comes with a dose of controversy. I'll give you one guess as to what people are mad about. Yes, correct. It's that. Organizers of the Eurovision Song Contest say they are assessing whether Israel's entry breaks the rules on political neutrality. I think it's a shame. I think there's no way that that Israel should be able to participate in Eurovision. Pro-Palestinian protesters are taking to the Swedish streets. More than a thousand Swedish artists, including Robin, have called for an Israel ban. Some European politicians are joining them. Charlie Harding from Switched On Pop joins us this week on Today Explained to help us figure out if Europe can sing its way out of this situation. The next update came a full year after the package had been shipped. Lori, the woman who had organized the shipping, had had another phone call, this time with Orlando Bloom himself. Basically, he called her at like 4.49, like, a.m. Eastern time, some some ridiculous hour of the morning. And it, she, the way she talked about it, it was like sheer luck that she, you know, woke up and heard, heard the phone. And they spoke for a little while. But then he asked her to please record what he was about to say. And it was like a thank you to this message board for sending him such a nice package. And then also asked to make sure that we would all be able to hear it on the board. Now that would be nothing. Now that's just your iPhone and hitting upload. But back in like 2002, 2003, what that meant was that she had to manually like record it on a separate recorder while he was talking. Then she had to get that recording from this other device to her computer, no wireless, so that's like a USB or whatever, and that's an upload. Then she had to upload that um, sound file to her private server, which took forever. And then she posted the file to the message board, but that post also contained 
like detailed instructions <laughs> on how to download the file. I, I remember it was such a chore. And so then once the file finally downloaded onto my computer, I then had to go buy a CDRW, burn it onto a CDRW so that I could then take it to school and let my friends listen to it on like my disc man. Kendra has kept that CD all these years, but over time, it's gotten damaged and scratched. This is what the recording sounds like now. Um, I just wanted to say a big thank you. Initially, when they heard the recording, the message board users were excited. But soon, people started to question why they should believe it was real, and how exactly Lori got Orlando Bloom's mother's phone number. There were arguments. Kendra started to feel unnerved by the whole thing. She realized she didn't really like thinking about Orlando Bloom thanking them for the care package. She didn't really want him knowing about the message board at all. For me, that was, like, way too close for comfort. Like, I didn't want him coming to the board. Like, I like that separation of church and state um, between, like, fandom and celebrity. And that's something that has really shrunk um, just so much in the in the years since then. Um, you know, now you can just, like, at anyone that you want to at on, like, a TikTok or an Instagram or a tweet or whatever. But back then, there was more of a gulf between 14-year-old girls and the grown men that they had crushes on. Kendra let her Orlando Bloom writing lapse, unfinished. I stopped midway through, and I think it was because, yes, the space had been, like, opened a little much, um, and it was still, like, a little bit too public, but also because I I had moved on at that point. Uh, This is another weird corner of the internet that I was in, but I I did a lot of online role-playing in um, the X-Men fandom, and... I think I realized, too, at some point that, like, I was writing, like, some pretty, like, serious NC-17 stuff. Um, and again, I'm, like, 14, 15, 16. And so you just, like, wanted to be careful about, like, where that was posted. And I was, I, even though I wasn't writing Orlando Bloom stuff anymore, I was still writing that kind of stuff within, like, X-Men, within Buffy, and, like, all these other fandoms that I was in. So I, I think I just realized, like, eh, safer space. <laughs> In the hierarchy of your celebrity crushes, where does Orlando Bloom fall? Is he absolutely number one? He was number one. He was a solid number one until Colin Farrell released a sex tape with a black woman. At which point, (laughs) at which point... I was like, oh, um, and kind of immediately, like, he became really the focus of um, of my life for, like, my senior year of high school, like, kind of into college. I was still, don't get me wrong, still very into Orlando Bloom. Uh, the final Pirates of the Caribbean movie came out 2013, maybe? I, I, I was 19 years old. Whenever I was 19 years old, I went to see it with a, an old friend, um, from my elementary school days. And at the end of the movie, uh, he's cursed. He has to spend 10 years at sea. And I started sobbing in the theater. Like, like I was like, he was, so, he looked so good on that screen. It was like, the way it was filmed was like, for me, very female gazy. He just like looked so good. Um, and the story was very sad to me. So I'm sitting there sobbing in the theater and my friend like looks over at me and he was just like, are you okay? <laughs> If 
Orlando Bloom were to hear this episode, do, do you have any message for him? <laughs> um, my God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I mean, I, I do wonder if, like, girls, m- girls or people who were girls who are my age now, like, really just made his life like a living hell. Like, he probably could, like, there was no way he could have enjoyed knowing that this stuff was out there about him, I guess. Uh, So I'm sorry, but, like, also thank you. I mean, because of him, like, I wrote my first, like, novel-length thing, which then, like, proved to me that that was something that I could do, liked to do, unfortunately, like, really liked getting the positive feedback on it, so I kept doing it. And, like, Orlando Bloom and all of my fandom stuff, like, all of my X-Men stuff, Buffy, Harry Potter, um, everything, like, really contributed into the fact that I am now a published author. So thank you, I guess. <laughs> Kendra James's first book, Admissions, a memoir of surviving boarding school, came out earlier this year. She's also written for Shondaland, L, Harper's, and Polygon. She says fan fiction is a lot more important than people give it credit for. She wrote in Elle magazine, It's a place where a young girl can write, with more encouragement than consequence. It doesn't matter how bad your writing is. Someone will enjoy it. We've been trying to contact Orlando Bloom for this story, but haven't heard back. This is Love is created by Lauren Spohr and me. Nadia Wilson is our senior producer. Katie Bishop is our supervising producer. Our producers are Susanna Robertson, Jackie Sajiko, Libby Foster, and Samantha Brown. Our technical director is Rob Byers. Engineering by Russ Henry. Mixing by Veronica Simonetti. Learn more about the show on our website, thisislovepodcast.com. If you like the show, tell a friend or leave us a review. It means a lot. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at This Is Love Show. This Is Love is recorded at North Carolina Public Radio, WUNC. We're a part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. Discover more great shows at podcast.voxmedia.com. I'm Phoebe Judge, and this is Love.